welcome to the Morning Commute with Miller Thompson. This is episode number two. Welcome to Morning Commute with Miller Thompson, a podcast for Canada's legal community and those generally interested in Canadian law. Each month, our lawyers delve into current issues surrounding the legal landscape, providing in-depth insight and analysis on key developments in today's Canadian marketplace. Now here are today's hosts. Hi everyone, my name is Tammy Farber. I'm a lawyer at Miller Thompson. I'm here with my longtime friend and colleague John Tidball, an environmental lawyer and practiced at the bar for quite a long time. John, you've been an environmental lawyer for how long? Uh, 37 years, Tammy. On the verge of retirement. On the verge of retirement, uh, eight weeks away, I think. All right. Well, we may have another podcast in the works to talk about your experiences in environmental law over the years. But today we're here to talk about excess soils and uh, mainly from construction projects. Uh, John, has your practice involved excess soils and uh, construction project waste? It has, actually. Over the years, I've, uh, I've always dealt a great deal of my practice on matters uh, involving waste. Uh, nobody ever thought about dirt uh, from construction or anywhere else as waste, but it has uh, come up from time to time. Uh, we also deal a lot in our practice with contaminated sites, which really deals a lot with contaminated soil. And the two have kind of come together happily or unhappily recently with uh, regular regulatory reform that's been initiated by the Ontario government. And um, when you talk about regulatory reform, just give us a little bit of background. What happens to construction site waste now? Apparently, there's about 25 million cubic meters of excess soil produced every year in Ontario that has to find another home. Uh, people don't think about that, although when you're, um, uh, you know, when you're living in your neighborhood and there's a construction project at the corner and you see the lineup of dump trucks, as I have been recently at a site down at my corner, um, you may want, you may ask yourself, where does that stuff go? And and historically, it went uh, a lot of different places. In Toronto, it used to go into Lake Ontario and what is now called the Leslie, Leslie Street Spit. That was that practice was stopped many many years ago, and then it started to go up into old pits and quarries north of the city. Um, that's kind of where it's always gone. Toronto right now is experiencing a significant <clears throat> construction boom, as are. Uh, many other uh, places across Canada, notably Montreal and Vancouver, the same issues arise. The dirt has to go somewhere, and and especially in an urban area, there's there's really no place to put it on on the uh, on the site of the construction project. Is this an environmental issue, a planning issue, or combination? It's actually a, a combination issue. I deal mostly with the environmental aspects of it, and the environmental aspects, really, if you think about it, are um, what is in that soil and and is it going to cause any impact where it's where it goes somewhere else? So if you if you look at uh, downtown Toronto, for example, uh, take a condominium project down on uh, da- down on Queens Key. So it's down on by Lake Ontario. Not unusual to have a hole that will accommodate four, five, six stories of parking underground. Very large, very large excavation. And if you're down in that area of the city of Toronto, um, what we know for sure is that that used to be part of Lake Ontario. And so the top, I'm not sure, 20 feet or something, will be uh, will be soil that came from somewhere else, 100, 
100, 200 years ago. During and industrial operations, no doubt. During industrial operations, and and it's not unusual to see layers of ash and all sorts of things. So that's sort of an extreme example, but anywhere, anywhere in Ontario where you have um, urbanization and urbanization of former industrial lands, it can be particularly critical because you can have you can have all sorts of contaminants in soil that nobody even thinks about. And for years, we just transported and put it somewhere. And um, the thrust of what everybody's talking about right now is trying to deal with that because nobody, I won't say that nobody knows what's in it. It's just historically uh, what used to happen is um, a few samples would be taken. It would be demonstrated from the, those samples that it was relatively clean, whatever that means. And, uh, and then it would simply be taken to a disposal site somewhere. And that's because disposal sites really can accept the waste uh, or the soil stream with some contaminants in it, as long as it's not hazardous? No, it's not even that. It's, it's, it's more fundamental than that. Uh, until now, we've never thought of excess soil as waste at all. Waste is a, a defined term under the Environmental Protection Act in Ontario, and we, we just never thought about it that way. And, and in fact, there is an exemption uh, in in uh, a regulation for something called inert fill. And excess soil has always been thought to be inert fill. Uh, the definition of inert fill isn't very helpful, and nobody's really thought about it. And we've been in a period of transition, I would say, for at least 10 years where um, the regulatory authority, which in Ontario is the, now the Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks, um, approaches this differently depending on what district office you're in. And so there's been a great deal of uncertainty in the construction sector for a long time now and a growing uh, sense of unease in places where this dirt ends up going. So I take it that after 10 years of some discussion or so, we're now experiencing a regulatory change. And tell us, so what, what is the regulatory change that's now coming into force? Okay, so uh, Ontario uh, is the first jurisdiction in the country to attempt this. Um, I expect other jurisdictions to follow, uh, probably Quebec. Uh, I'm not sure about the western provinces. I think anywhere where you see a construction boom, people are going to be looking at this. What Ontario has decided is it's created a new regulation, which is called the On-Site and Excess Soil uh, Regulation. the regulation was finally uh, adopted uh, right at the end of 2019. Uh, it will start to come into force July 1st of this year, and then it's sort of phased in, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's sort of phased in over a two- to three-year period uh, to allow industry to kind of uh, respond to it. So we've got a new regulation. Everybody's looking at it. It's been in uh, it's been in the works for some time. The government started down this track in 2013, um, under pressure from um, really under pressure from rural municipalities and citizens groups who were very concerned about uh, large amounts of soil being deposited in old pits and other places uh, in Toronto, particularly outside of Toronto, so in the in the rural parts of the GTA and beyond. So that's, that's what we've done, and that's where we're heading. So who is affected by this regulation? 
Um, it's really going to affect the construction industry. Um, so here, here's what's going to happen. Starting July 1st, uh, there's going to be a requirement uh, to deal with excess soil as waste, and that's a defined term under the Environmental Protection Act, unless unless certain things happen. And that's the way that it's, 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 it's a bit complicated the way they've done it, but they've, they've kind of done it like that for a good reason. So what will happen is any excess soil, even if it's as clean as soil in your backyard, uh, any excess soil will be designated as a waste unless it goes somewhere and to a, to a destination and the destination is some kind of a filling operation for which there's a beneficial purpose. And that's critically important, actually, because the beneficial purpose test will really change change the marketplace because at the moment what we have is a large number, well, less than we used to, but we the number of fill sites located kind of on the outer boundaries of the GTA and beyond uh, that they may or may not. There may not be. May or may not be a beneficial purpose for the filling. The purpose of the filling may be just to operate a commercial fill site to make money, and so it, that's going to change a lot of things. And so, what's going to happen is that the government has has um, adopted a new set of standards. We've always had a set of standards that deal with contaminated sites because, for many years, uh, this kind of goes back into the 1990s. But for many years. Uh, there was a demand from, I would say, from demand from everywhere, um, the construction industry, the development industry, citizens groups, industries, everybody, anybody who had to deal with land to get a sense of what constitutes clean. So if, if I agree with you that I'm going to buy your property and you're going to clean it up before I buy it, what does it mean to say you're going to clean it up? And so the government a long time ago adopted a set of standards, which we call the site condition standards. Um, in the early years of dealing with excess fill, and I've been dealing with this now for about the last 10 years on an almost full-time basis, in the early years, we have always used those standards. But what the government has done with the new regulation is they've created a new set of standards that actually tend to be a little more stringent. And... And there's a reason for that that's, that takes a long explanation, but it's basically because the, the first set of standards were really never intended for a site that was intended to take a lot of imported soil. And so they've sort of redone their risk models and come up with a slightly more stringent set of standards. It's kind of all over the map, and it's you know you have to, you have to compare them to see. But, but what will happen is, uh, starting July 1st, is that any excess soil from, say, a construction project in downtown Toronto, as long as it meets a threshold, and I think the threshold is 10,000 cubic meters or something like that, which isn't a large hole, um, will have to go to a what they are now calling a reuse site for a beneficial purpose, and it will have to meet these these new standards in order to to be deposited at that site. Uh, the one caveat to that is that if the reuse site, as they're now calling it, and everybody else has always called the fill site, if the reuse site is subject to another permitting process, and that's traditionally done by municipalities under the Municipal Act, who will issue something now that's more typically called a site alteration permit, if it's subject to that, uh, the 
the new standards become kind of a, they're, they're kind of like a backstop. Um, the municipality may have different standards, although under the regulation they can't be more stringent, but they could be less stringent. Now, I don't know that anybody's going to do that, and I don't think anybody's thought it through. But uh, that's, that's kind of where we're going. So as of July 1st, that's what's going to have to happen. That's going to change a lot of things in the industry. So that's the first, that's the first step in all of this. Um, the second step is a little more, um, it's a bit more complicated and it's going to add a whole layer of bureaucracy on top of all of this. So just, just before you get to the yeah. second step, let me ask you, so is a beneficial use equivalent to a financial gain purpose? Can you just have reuse for financial gain? No, it's, it can't, can't be just that. It has to be some kind of a redevelopment going on. Traditionally, we've, it's very interesting in the province, and there's three or four of these around. There, there has been a there has been a real focus on sites that are being used to redevelop airfields, and the reason for that is constitutional because uh, aeronautics is a matter of federal jurisdiction, and there has been there have been many cases of uh, of sites that are kind of relying on the fact that they're federally regulated and so municipalities can't regulate them. There have been a series of cases that have sort of decided that issue. And now those sites are getting, um, they are operating for the most part under fill permits. Um, I'm not sure what the other kinds of beneficial reuse might be, but but if you think about it, um, I, I think it's obvious that if I have a pit, and and there are very large pits, uh, you know, outside of the, on the outer edges of the GTA, if I have a pit and uh, I have a rehabilitation obligation under my my quarry license, uh, then I have to rehabilitate. Now, it's interesting because I don't have to fill up the pit again uh, in order to in order to rehabilitate. All that uh, the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry requires is that essentially it's more of a safety thing. I can't have a I can't have a vertical uh, a vertical wall where you know somebody might fall over and you know kill themselves ten years from ten years from now, and so they have to they have to create a, some minimum slope um, so that there's no there's no vertical faces. But I think it's probably a beneficial reuse if if a municipality, for example, were to say, as some have, Richard Stovall is a good example, have as a policy said. We like to fill up these sites, and we like to revert them to agricultural use, which is what they were in the first place. And so, if you think about it, that's a that's a very happy marriage of two serious problems. I have a lot of dirt over here that I have to get rid of, and I have big holes over there uh, that it would be Happily in everybody's person. best interest to fill up and restore to the way it was before the hole was dug. And so that will work, and I think I think that. I think everybody accepts that that's a beneficial reuse, although it's an interesting question, and we'll see what happens. So I want to come back to something else before you get to the sort of the next stage, which is when you talk about the existing regime for the movement um, and or remediation of contaminated soil in redevelopment sites and this new excess soil regime. So how are they going to work together? Well, we were wondering about that when it first came out, but it's now clear to me that, that both regimes will apply. And so what you will end up with is if I have a contaminated site, so you think about this, I have, so I'm, I've, got a, I've got a site somewhere and I know that I need to excavate the site. And 
over on one side of the site, I know there was some kind of an activity. Typically, you know, there was an underground storage tank that leaked some kind of petroleum product, something like that. So I know I've got contaminated soil on that side of the site. Um, what I will have to do is I will still be subject to, um, uh, to dealing with that in the way I always did, except I'm going to, I'm going to have added on top of this, uh, a whole set of requirements, um, for, uh, sampling because part of the regime, part of the new regime on just on excess soil, clean or otherwise, uh, in order to, uh, in order to support uh, depositing that soil at a reuse, some, reuse site somewhere and justify that it meets these new standards, there's, going to be, there's a whole new protocol of minimum sampling requirements. So you recall I said a few minutes ago, traditionally we have you know, a couple of samples from a site. Now there will be a need for, for a large site for hundreds of samples. It's all based on volume. And so um, even if my site is contaminated, I said, bizarrely, you now have a situation where I might have to take more samples if the site's clean, which doesn't make any sense, right? So what, they're, what I think this is going to play out in the following way, I think if I have a site that I'm, I know I'm subject to the new excess soil rules, but I'm also subject to dealing with contaminated soil, what I think will happen is I will end up doing the minimum amount of characterization that I have to do, and then I will get rid of the excess soil, I'm sorry, I'll get rid of the contaminated excess soil um, somewhere appropriate. Sometimes that's landfill. More frequently these days it might be a soil treatment site, and and uh, that's the way that will go, but I will still have to deal with everything under the new reg because it really doesn't distinguish between clean and not clean soil. Do we have any idea what kind of cost this will lead to in terms of uh, um, developers or those in the real estate industry that are dealing with contaminated soil? Um, I think it will increase, I don't know what the, I, I couldn't comment on the quantum, but it will certainly increase the sampling and analytical costs and will probably create some buried costs in terms of delays um, because there, there is a tendency in the industry, the, the way the industry works is, is um, some, I have a, I'm the owner of a site or I'm the developer of a site and I have a, uh, the first job in developing the site is to, to excavate a very large hole and then I start to build things in it. Um, typically the excavation contract is let all at once, somebody else gets a hold of it and they just deal with it and typically the owners don't care about it. Now the owners actually are going to have obligations under the under the new regulation. They're actually going to be on the hook for these obligations and so you can't, uh, it's not going to be as easy as just saying I, I don't have to think about this anymore. I'm going to, uh, I can just contract it out. You really can't do it. Um, it's going to imply more sampling up front I think. Uh, it's theoretically possible to excavate the whole Put the stockpile, put it over here in a stockpile, then sample it. But in an urban environment, and there is provision for that in the regulation, except in an urban environment, there, there, you don't have a space over there to, for the stockpile. Uh, we see that out in, in the outer edges of the GTA where there is that kind of space, and that's why if you're looking at, if you're looking at development projects, um, say out in Markham or Vaughan or, or Brampton, what you'll see often is you'll see a big pile of dirt because the, the dirt goes over there. And they can take advantage of that, but in a place like downtown Toronto, it's impossible. So I think there's going to be additional sampling costs. 
and probably some additional delay costs. Having said that, I think a lot of the large developers are already doing this. And I think that the draft regulation has been around for a couple of years. The government has actually, this was actually an invention of the previous liberal, liberal government and was revived by the, the current government at, sort of towards the end of their first year in office. Um, and it's changed a little bit, but not, not, not measurably. Um, developers have had notice of this for a long time, and a lot of them are apparent. I'm, I'm advised a lot of them are sort of currently using this kind of protocol anyway, because they have a very long time frame and they have to think ahead on these things. And it, and it makes sense from a due diligence point of view. It makes perfect sense. No, no developer of a site in downtown Toronto wants to, you know, wants to be the subject of a claim five years from now. Um, that you're contaminating groundwater and you know in a rural municipality somewhere and that's been the, the case I think with the various US municipalities kind of following the waste stream to waste disposal sites or other fill sites for a long time so we're certainly seeing the trickle-down effect in, in Canada or at least in Ontario right now okay so we, we talked about uh, July 1st and what's happening so what is the next phase after that so the next phase is really interesting, and, and, it, and it's a, a further 18 months beyond July 1st. So January 1, uh, 2022, um, there, will, there will be a new requirement uh, that will impose. It's essentially a paperwork and tracking requirement. And so what will happen is that there will be a requirement for, um, for the, 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 the construction site, the, the site where the fill is coming from. Uh, there will be a requirement to retain a qualified person, which you pretty much have to do now anyway, or you will on July 1st. But the, the qualified person will have to prepare a series of reports, um, a, a report on characterizing the site, a report on characterizing the, the, the quality of the soil at the site, and a report basically identifying where it's going to go and doing all of that. Those reports will all have to get filed on a, it's actually not a new registry. We have, we have, if you're anyone who's familiar with this will know, we have what's now called the environmental site registry. Um, they apparently need, I think they need a couple of years to build the, build the new registry, but it's going to be within the, within the framework of the current environmental site registry apparently. So I'm envisioning probably a, a kind of subsite or something or something like that. Um, all of that stuff will have to be posted online. It will be publicly accessible, which is a which is a brave new world, um, where anybody can see what is at what the soil looks like at a given site and where it's proposed to go. Um, there will also be a requirement at the other end for the the reuse site, as it's now going to be called, to have a, a qualified person or QP uh, do the same thing and record things in the same registry. And there will be a requirement uh, for there to be a, uh, a tracking system uh, in between. And, and people wonder about that, and it's, just, it's kind of an interesting concept, and, and I've been involved with this before because, because I've, had, I've had very well-meaning clients who, who never thought about the issue before when somebody says to them, well, how do you know that if a truck left this site it went to where you think it went. And the answer is, well, because I paid him to do that. But nobody really, you know, it's it's hard to, to know unless you have a system of tracking. On paper, it will be possible for that tracking system to be a paperwork system. And there are various types of those around now. 
in reality, and I think as everybody knows, we're going to go to an electronic tracking, probably GPS-based. Um, uh, there are several companies in Ontario that are using that right now. Uh, the government of Quebec has recently um, created a new regulation that will require electronic tracking. They were very specific about it. It has to be electronic. Um, so that's a very, that's a very, very big change in the industry that, uh, uh, that's going to come along in, in, in the next couple of years. So that's, that's January 1st of 2022. Um, the final piece of the puzzle is January 1st, 2023. Uh, there will be a ban on the disposal of clean fill at landfills. That's not really, it's not going to be much of an issue, uh, I, I don't think in Toronto because it's, probably not cost-effective to take clean soil to landfills here anyway. It will be an issue for small projects uh, in areas outside Toronto where sometimes the lowest cost alternative is, even though the the soil is clean, the easiest thing to do is just take it to landfill. Is that because of the trucking distances? Uh, Yeah, it's trucking distances. Yeah, it's mainly mainly trucking distances, and it may be the cost of landfill. Uh, so I don't know whether that's going to have a big impact or not. That was the one significant change that the current government made to the former government's proposal. Uh, anyway, it's it's a few years off now. It's almost three years away, and we'll see how that will play out. I don't know what's going to happen with that. So some final thoughts on uh, this new regulation, and I'm going to ask you to sort of wear a couple different hats to answer this. But from the environmental perspective, good change, not good change. I think it's a very good change, actually. You know, personally, I think there has been a lot of um, perhaps misunderstanding over the years about the quality of the soil. And I think what's really happened is that nobody really thought about it. And it's interesting. This issue all came up more as a result of truck traffic, honestly. Um, and with, when large sites uh, ship soil, it can involve hundreds and hundreds of trucks a day. And if they're all going to a small rural site on a gravel side road somewhere, you can imagine what that means to people who live on the road. And and all of this kind of started with those kind of concerns and then quickly branched into, well, what's in that stuff anyway? Mm. And and I think the reality is, and I don't think anybody knows, and I don't think anybody's trying to scare anybody to say that, you know, all of these fill sites that were created in the last three or four decades uh, are all contaminated, because they're probably not. But... We've never thought about it, and now we're starting to think about it. So I think environmentally, it's a very good thing. The construction industry had. Good? Not good? I think it depends who you are in the construction industry. I think for large players in the industry, it's a good thing. It provides certainty. Uh, The problem we've had over the last, I'm going to say, 10 or 15 years is you just never knew where where things were going to go if you were involved in in a large, especially in a large project, and you could make arrangements you could make arrangements for a um, um, for filling at a, at a particular location, then all of a sudden it wouldn't be available, and then there would be concerns about about quality and all sorts of things. So I think, to the extent that this provides certainty, I think it's a good thing for the construction industry. I appreciate that for some perhaps smaller players in the construction industry, the regulatory burden is going to be significant. John, I'd like to thank you for sharing your thoughts on this new regulation and the movement of excess soil from construction sites in Ontario, and hope to hear from you again. Thanks again. Thanks. This podcast was recorded by Miller Thompson, LLP. 
our firm provides a full range of services to address the legal needs of businesses, financial institutions, governments, not-for-profits, entrepreneurs, and individuals. With over 550 lawyers and 12 offices across the country, we cover Canada better than any other national law firm. Subscribe to stay informed at millerthompson.com.